This episode of the Let's Talk Data podcast series, SAP HANA Myths Dispelled, features John Appleby, SAP Global Head of the Database and Data Management and HANA Centers of Excellence, hosted by SAP's Ginger Gatling, recorded live on April 25th, 2018. Welcome to our Let's Talk Data podcast series. This series is brought to you by SAP experts discussing current topics around data and data management. My name is Ginger and I'll be your host for this series. Today's topic is a good one. It's SAP HANA myth. To dispel these myths, we've brought in our chief wizard and SAP executive, John Appleby. John joined us on a previous podcast on megatrends and we're fortunate to have him back to discuss HANA in more detail. So John, welcome back. Thanks, Ginger. It just sounds, it feels like yesterday that we, we did the last podcast. So it, it thank does. you for inviting me back. Oh, just so glad you could be back here with us today. Um, so thank you. So let's start. I have a few myths on my side. I'm sure you have some on your side, but I think, John, we always know what the biggest myth is that it's too expensive and it takes too long to implement. So I know you're talking with customers all the time. Tell us what you're hearing about this myth and, and dispel it for us. We are always looking at ways to make our technology more cost-effective to implement. Um, and uh, I'd like to get to a couple of ways specifically in, in 2018 that we're looking to help customers be uh, implement HANA in a more cost-effective way. Um, you know, the first is we've done some work to simplify the packaging around our, our HANA base edition and um, to standard edition and Hunter Enterprise edition, so we've we've simplified that a little bit in a way that that allows customers to consume um, Hunter in a in a simpler way, and I and, and I think that finds some ways to allow customers to implement more cost cost effectively. Uh, the second way um, that we've looked at this is is a ways of of um, simplifying hardware implementations and hardware and cloud costs. I mean, it, it amazes me, and I, I was looking on on Amazon, and Amazon, I can I can speak to them specifically because their price list is um, is online, so it's it's a public record, and and if you sign up for a, for a three year contract and a reserved Hunter <coughs> Hunter instance at X1 and Amazon, I think it's um, seventeen thousand dollars a terabyte a year is the number that you're looking at. Um, and, and when I first, you know, benchmarked HANA pricing, um, we were looking at about a hundred thousand uh, dollars um, a terabyte. So uh, that's that's for a purchase. So it's, it, it's really come down um, significantly. Um, I, you know, I talked to one of our major hardware vendors. I'm not going to name a name because these these are not uh, they're not on a price list somewhere. But I still looking at about thirty thousand dollars a terabyte for an outright purchase of. Of a, of a HANA system, and those are the numbers that I'm seeing from customers. So, you know, in the in the last five years, we've seen the cost of of uh, HANA systems come down by a little over a factor of three, um, which I, you know, I, I I think that's not to be <laughs> not to be sniffed at. Right, right, okay. So people can go out and check out that Amazon price list. Okay. Uh, we can link to our TCO study. Okay. And, and so, so that was the first piece. And, and um, so, so that's just that's just pure cost. Um, you know, the second thing thing that we see is when we compare to to other major databases, um, 
HANA is, is in most cases less costly to implement. And, and, and in my past, we, we've done uh, studies when I ran a consultancy, and we reckoned that the cost of a HANA project was um, about uh, about a third less um, than, than a regular project, just because we get efficiencies in development with performance on, with the performance of HANA, uh, development is quicker, and we get, we get specific efficiencies around the test management phase of the project, because we can, uh, the biggest expense in, in any IT project pretty much is, is project management and testing. So if we can reduce the time to test, we reduce the cost of the project. Um, so um, we definitely find um, that from a cost perspective, in terms of projects, we get benefits. Um, and of course, then and then we have we have the actual benefits side of it. Um, and what we found time and time again is because you get business benefits out of the HANA system, that um, you get that money back that you paid. And um, especially we've seen with the level of HANA adoption that we have. Um, which we found is actually, which is above market average in our in our current survey, um, we believe customers are getting better value. Okay. All right, that's fantastic. Uh, let's move on to another myth. Um, this is one uh, that's a really good one: is the SAP HANA, and this is something we always fight is only for SAP applications. So it's to really a database runtime for SAP apps only. I know that at one point, I think that was kind of how we went to market with it, I believe. You please uh, correct me and tell me where we are on the SAP HANA is only for SAP applications. Yeah, I mean, let, and let's start, start there with the story of HANA, right? Because when we invented um, HANA, we released it in, eight years ago in 2010, um, we we'd envisaged it to be a uh, general purpose database for, for a bunch of applications. And actually, if you look at the original applications that we released on the HANA database, um, none of those related directly to SAP applications. So things like smart meter analytics and uh, seismic studies for, for, for drilling. Um, and, and so there was, there was certainly never an intention to be, to be focused in that direction. What we found, um, you know, headed in probably about 18 months later was, you know, our installed base of SAP customers was, was just a great place to focus. And so we focused first, we focused first on uh, getting the HANA database running for our BW data warehouse. And then we extended it to the, the business suite. And uh, we then realized that actually um, the, uh, real benefits of, of HANA would be gotten from uh, a rewrite of the business suite, which we call S4. And so we really, really invested heavily um, into the SAP install base customer and building a database that worked great for our applications. In the process of that, we built out all of the functionalities for an enterprise database around high availability, disaster recovery, backup and restore. Um, you know, all of those enterprise functions that an that enterprise database requires for an ERP and for other things. Um, which then brings us to the present day, because all of that work that has been done um, now brings us to a point where the SAP customers, particularly those that have already implemented for ERP, can extend those use cases of HANA well beyond 
um, just core ERP. And, and, you know, we have, you know, straightforward scenarios like big data warehousing where you can consume uh, the enterprise data from S4 or just use the enterprise data that's in S4 HANA and then merge that in with data from, um, other systems like a, like a JD Edwards, uh, or, 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 you know, some of, some of the, the cloud companies using cloud connectors, uh, like, uh, HANA cloud integration. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can bring that into a place or, you know, some, something like, um, close to my mind is our, our partner, Esri, where we're using HANA as a geo database for transactional and geospatial data. Um, so we'd always intended HANA to be a general purpose database. Um, we've now built all of that functionality, particularly since the release of SAP HANA SPS, uh, sorry, 2.0 SPS03, which we just released this month. Um, and that really consolidates the capability to be able to use any application. And are we seeing, I think we're seeing partners develop, like you talked about the Esri and the GEO database, and we'll have another podcast just on that. But we're also seeing uh, partners do development of other apps or extending the apps, right? So we can't really say that SAP HANA is really just for SAP applications, even though you say we tuned it, right? So are you seeing cases of where we're having develop, uh, partners develop uh, other apps on top of SAP HANA as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, the the one uh, I spoke to obviously is is Esri. Uh-huh. There are a whole collection of them that I uh, I can't speak to at this point in time. But you know, we are talking to a number of the largest software companies in the world, uh, and what they're saying is is something along the lines of, "Hey, we're seeing that the database cloud strategy is in their cloud and their cloud only, uh, and actually, we want to work with." A, a company that supports, um, like HANA does, we'll talk about this a little bit later, but um, really any deployment option, uh, you know, on-premise, private cloud, public cloud, hybrid, etc. cetera. Um, and we're looking for a, a vendor which has an, an, or a partner which has an open uh, approach to that. The other thing I, w- I would say for, for anybody, and again, we'll, we'll include a link to this in the blog, the HANA Innovation Awards is full of this. And I, I, I was a judge for these awards and I, I, this year. I have been for like five years now. I was blown away this year by the partner entries, by the non, non-profit entries and by the customer entries. Um, you know, just the, the list of those, like the Swiss railways using them, using SAP HANA to reduce the, um, the cost of electricity and smooth out workloads across the Swiss population. And just, just, Absolutely phenomenal um, use cases for non-SAP use cases, partners and customers alike. Yeah, it's funny, funny when you said that because I was just going through these today, just looking at the customers, and it was really pretty impressive, all the different uh, from sensor technology, lots of different use cases that were going on. So we'll also include a link to those because I think you can read the winners, and then we can also read everyone that was nominated as well. So we'll definitely want to include that. Okay. It's, it's all in there. And, and, you know, one of the things that I was, uh, I'm really passionate about is, is making a difference to the world. And so as we, you know, we talk about the SAP of the future, we, we're talking about, um, making businesses run better in 
improving people's lives. Um, I think sometimes people think, well, that's that's just marketing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, when you read the things that, that people are doing around rainforests and cancer research and, and um, electricity and hydroelectric, um, it's not just marketing. It's 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 real. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. That's a great one. We'll link to those. Okay, uh, so let's move on to another one here that I see is uh, we, we just talked about HANA is only good for applications, but then the other thing we have is the is to say that SAP HANA is only good for analytics, right? So we can either have the application on it or we can have the analytics. So what do you think about saying that? You can only use HANA for like BW like you talked about before. I mean, you've already kind of dispelled this, but what do you, what, what do you say about that? Well, so it, it's really funny. So, um, you know, if you look at where where the name Hana came from, I mean, it, it was just a name, and uh, somebody created a a backronym for it to call it the High Performance Analytic yeah. Appliance. You can just about fit Hana into that. Um, and so the, the very early use cases for HANA were, were typically a sidecar to an ERP system or some other system where we then use technology to replicate the data out and do some analytics. And, and HANA is, is great at analytics, but that wasn't what HANA was designed to be. If you look at the, the database architecture and the, the Delta store and the way in which we designed it from the ground up, it was designed to be a replacement database for transactional and analytics. Otherwise, you don't need a Delta store. Sybase IQ would be just fine. Sybase IQ um, has, has a versioning system where you load data, you switch the versions. Uh, and it's a little bit more sophisticated than that, but it's essentially how a columnar database, a traditional columnar database works. Um, HANA has a, a much, much more sophisticated uh, delta and level two delta capability that means that you can do um, high frequency inserts um, and you can do analytics upon them at the same time and you can have the best of both worlds. And that's what makes HANA special. Um, so, so whilst the initial use cases were focused on, focused on analytics because um, it was at that point a 1.0 database and, and customers wanted to run it for analytics before they ran transactional systems, it was never the intent. And, um, you, you know, I, I was looking at one of our larger um, S4 systems that we were running and uh, it runs up, upwards of 100,000 transactions a second in mixed transactional analytic workload. Um, I, I, I can't believe for a minute that anyone would think that that's, that's just an analytics database. Right. Right. Okay. Super. Okay, I've got one more I want to run by you, and this one's kind of tough. Um, so what do you think about this myth that SAP HANA isn't good for lot uh, for data across lots of different clouds and sources, right? You and Chris talked about how data is all over the place and, and in the megatrends about how customers know less about what's going on because of the, the sprawl of data. So SAP HANA isn't good for lots of different clouds and sources or, you know, SAP HANA can only run with it, within SAP uh, domains. I mean, what do, you, what do you think about that? I mean, I... I... I think the first thing, Ginger, is when, when you look back at SAP's history, we have a history which is just totally um, 
rich of an ecosystem of partners and we have always run on whatever we thought the customers might want to choose as the as the dominant platform and um that could at that point in time and 20 years ago it was infomix was probably you know one of the big databases that, that were run on and we then modernized that and we were you know microsoft and ibm and oracle with a, with a platform of choices um we then uh, have a perspective which is that the integration of the end-to-end application and database uh, is absolutely critical to next-gen applications and the apps like S4 that we've built um, and the partners like Esri are building on, on our platform. We don't believe build, you can build anywhere else. <clears throat> However, we've, we, we still believe just as much today in that rich ecosystem. And so we support the hyperscale vendors like Amazon, Microsoft, Google. We support um, the private cloud vendors like a um, an IBM software or a T-Systems or, or a VirtuStream. Um, we support that, especially in the context of our enterprise cloud. And our enterprise cloud actually runs on most of those at this point in time. Um, and we support um, on-premise deployments, of course, on Intel or IBM Power. Uh, and we support a hybrid of any of those. Uh, and I honestly think if you want um, a platform which gives you cloud freedom and doesn't lock you into one of those options, where you make a choice where you've chosen the vendor and not only have you chosen their database, but you've You've also chosen um, the whole um, cloud stack. Um, I don't think there is a, an option other than HANA that gives you that level of cloud freedom. Okay, cloud freedom. That's how we dispel that myth. Good. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, just I believe I, I'm a big believer that the customers want choices. And I, you know, I was talking to a customer this morning, and they were like, "Our strategy is AWS. That is the end of it." And, and, and we're like, great, if you if you believe that, that that hyperscale vendor provides, and we can show you the pros and cons, if you believe that that provides you the best thing for your business and that's what you negotiated, we're, we're all in there with that. And, and um, you know, the, the HANA platform runs, runs great on AWS. Okay, good. So... So do you have any other? I was trying to think. I think those are the four big myths that I wanted to cover uh, during this time. Have you heard any others that, that, that we should bring up? I mean, I, I think these are the big ones. The um, I'm trying to think if there are any there's, others that really come to mind. There's one thing that we didn't touch on on that first myth about the, how HANA expensive, uh, how expensive HANA is, and that's the dynamic tiering to help save money on where the data is stored. I was at a um, at a Gartner data analytics conference earlier this year and Parkland Hospital, who's out of Dallas, was speaking there and they said that the dynamic uh, tiering, dynamic storage is the best kept secret in all of SAP HANA. That was their view because they said, you know, Parkland and Hospital, I don't know, they said how many thousands of babies are born every day. It's a huge hospital here uh, where I live in the Dallas area, and that and that this this idea of the dynamic tiering of, of the of the data uh, is both cost effective and it's it's impactful to their business. Should we have mentioned that in myth number one, or is does that fit somewhere else separate? So yeah, there 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 are a ton of things that we can do to cost optimize with HANA, and, and um, so let me speak to two of those. So so one of this is the principles of of 
uh, data temperature management. And um, if, if you have a set of data which is hot this year, last year, um, and you have a set of data which is cold transactional data volumes for the last 20 years, and you're primarily focused around um, analyzing data this year, last year, and transacting this year, last year, um, dynamic tiering with SAP HANA is fantastic. You store this year, last year in memory, and um, in the previous 20 years on disk, and you can you can really cost optimize in a way that allows great uh, performance for the data that you access frequently, and it, and yet it still appears as one uh, database. The um, the uh, other thing which I would mention that, that I think that we will start to focus on is is something for the future, which is how we um, we optimize uh, for CPUs for large scale systems. And we're starting to see customers do some testing around um, um, things like IBM shared pools where um, we can actually share the CPU usage between different systems. And, and we're seeing potentially tremendous cost optimizations on the compute side. Um, in some cases, we have kind of systems where the CPU usage is not that high. Um, and sorry, there's a third thing which I forgot, which, um, you know, we expect to see uh, in the future, which is which is NVRAM, um, non-volatile memory, where we can, uh, non-volatile memory is, is more cost-effective than regular memory, um, and we can use that to expand the amount of available memory within a HANA system, given a, given a certain HANA system size. And, and currently, it seems like we can get the systems about you know, 30 to 50 times bigger so times, sorry, 30 to 50 percent bigger uh, than a regular system, which is which is really worth having when you're up at the kind of six to ten terabyte level. Getting up to 10 to 15 makes a big difference to the number of customers that can run um, on a particular platform. All right. Well, I think you've done a fantastic job of taking the most common myths we hear and dispelling them. And uh, once again, we really appreciate you taking the time. I know your schedule is super packed, and I heard you lost your power just before this podcast. So um, we really appreciate you being here, John, and hopefully we'll get to talk to you again. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Ginger.